delve into plant stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth fact! Mandrakes have historically been thought of as having roots that look like people or having human characteristics. I would say this is a myth after looking at think literally hundreds of mandrake plants. <laughs> there are some that definitely have some, you know, anthropomorphic characteristics going on, but most of the time they just kind of look like messed up carrots. <laughs> and that brings us into today's episode, Mandragora. Yep, that's the mandrake. <laughs> um, yeah, mandrakes are cool plants, so they are a genus of six plants in the nightshade family and they're native to the Mediterranean and the Himalayas. So they prefer fields or open sunny areas. Uh, Other names for the mandrake are mandragora or Satan's apple. Mm -hmm. And the plant is mostly noticed for its roots. Um, Typically as a whole plant, when you pull it out of the ground, it, um, Biperforates, which is what would be like legs or arms, and that's usually what is kind of viewed as that like body, like you know, texture because that biperforation creates what would kind of look like legs and arms. Um, the root also grows between like three and four feet long so they're relatively large and thick roots um from above ground they have a short stem with a you know tuft of leaves forming a rosette at the ground level and they have small five petaled flowers that range from purple to yellow green and they produce a berry that's like a fleshy orange colored berry but all parts of the plant contain alkaloids and are considered poisonous but and so what what kind of poison like what's it gonna do to me (laughs) um it is known to cause hallucinations delirium and coma or death depending on exactly how much is taken um it's not necessarily the most well-known poison for killing people like uh, Belladonna was, but it it definitely has been known to send people into some pretty crazy places. Um, so what about in other parts of the world besides Europe and the Mediterranean? What kind of mix and, and uses are we getting from mandrakes? Um, so actually there was a battle in Carthage or Carthage in Northern Africa around 200 BC and the general Hannibal you know, we all know him. Not not such a great guy, well known for battles, but he actually retreated from the city and he just left this giant feast behind that included wine and food drugged with mandrake. Now, the drugged mandrake didn't actually kill the African soldiers, but it did put them in a deep state of sleep or kind of that delirium and hallucinations so he basically just came back in and you know he killed everybody they got the sleeping sleeping troops in this big ambush because they were you know 
not smart enough to realize, I guess, that maybe all the things that they left behind in their feast were not so great. Yeah, that wouldn't be my instinct. But it does seem to be a, a common tactic we're finding amongst these nightshade plants. Yeah, Mandrake, I would say, is not as immediately deadly as uh, Belladonna. But it it definitely is potent enough to send you into some pretty crazy hallucinations. And it can, you know, it has the potential to kill you if you don't use it properly, for sure. In this case, I think they're, that that was not their plan. They didn't think they were going to kill them. And with that, their plan was that they were going to come back. But it worked. So... The best known species of it, the one that you hear about most often in lore, is the Mandragora officinarium, which is the one that really grows in Europe, or the um, Mediterranean that was introduced to Europe. Um, and there's a plant actually that grows in the U.S. that's sometimes referred to as a mandrake but it's not actually part of uh, this family. It's the May apple of the Burberry family. So it's not incredibly likely necessarily that you would find free growing mandrake in the U.S. Not impossible, but not necessarily likely. I imagine it would be difficult to get a four foot root out of the ground. Like yeah, it's not it's not the easiest thing. <laughs> um, were people like digging but, it up for food? Like, why were people harvesting this? Um, originally, the plant was kind of noted as uh, a narcotic in ancient Greece. It was used for treating anxiety and depression and gout. Um, also insomnia they used it ritualistically and like love potions um, and the Greeks were also the first to note that sometimes the roots resembled human forms um, it was often used as an anesthetic one of the primary medical doctors of Greek time that I think we've actually talked about before uh, Dioscurides mentions in his notes that he used it and he used a wine cup full so like essentially you would put a certain amount of it in your wine um, and mix it together and that would be the correct amount but he does also mention that too much will kill you That's why, and, and he was also the first to document like male and female versions of the plant. But now we know that uh, these are actually two different species of the plant. So the one that we know, Mandragora officiarium or officinarium, and Mandragora autumnalis, just slightly different. So this one just like a little curvier, a little more yeah. bump. <laughs> a little more ladylike <laughs> but 
It did. It, it got harvested quite a bit, and then, you know, it did um, have this, like, great kind of magical lore to it. I mean, it is poisonous, but definitely the kind of magical properties of it are what made it much more popular among people. So what kind of, like, magical-related myths or stories were going around with this plant? I imagine there's some good ones if it's also, you know, sending people into psychosis. <laughs> yeah, everybody loves a good, like, quality psychosis, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it was used in um, love potions and things like that. Um, the Romans kind of continued the Greeks' uses for mandrakes. They're actually the ones who brought it um, to Europe. And kind of during that time, um, you know, one of the earliest mentions of the mandrake is in the Bible. So in chapter 30 of the book of Genesis where Rachel asks her sister Leah for a mandrake so that she can use the fruit to help her conceive a child. And eventually her use of the root produces Jacob. So this kind of perpetuated a fertility myth that, um, you know, mandrake root would increase her ability to conceive children. Um, and then this myth later received more support from the medieval doctrine of signatures which was a collection of information obtained from herbalists and wise women um, that was also kind of a little bit religiously based and it suggested that God gave each plant a sign or a symbol that indicated their value. So being that the root was often, you know, considered in the shape of a, a man or sometimes a woman, they believed that it, that was the sign that signified um, reproductive power um, and so during more medieval times that was a little bit more popular although the church did also kind of frown upon this practice as well especially as people um, began to kind of wear it as a luck charm to seize like other types of power like oh if I can produce fertility with this like what else could I potentially produce mm -hmm. um, and in that way it was almost yeah it was considered like using it like almost as like evil magic. Um, and at Joan of Arc's trial in 1431, uh, she was accused of having mandrake on her person. And it was actually one of the condemning factors of her sentence. For using magic. Yeah. But it, like, it did become a big, did become like a big, uh, Thing for people to kind of try to obtain um, there is a myth about the plant being difficult to harvest which I think a lot of people have heard of and kind of know about that the plant itself you know will scream or eat you or kill you um <laughs> It said that in the beginning, this came from, you know, the plant was being taken in large quantities from its native native habitats or from people's personal gardens. 
And so the simpler version of the myth was just that a demon inhabited the root and would kill you if you were to disturb it. That kind of developed into when you pull the root out, it emits a scream. And if you hear that scream, it will kill you. So people tried to devise these like interesting ways to harvest it. And probably the most popular one is that they would, you would get a black dog because those are the ones that superstitiously people didn't like poor black dogs. And you would tie a leash to the plant and then run away. So the dog would run to follow you and pull out the plant, but the dog would die from the scream and the plant would be out. So I don't, seems kind of mean to the dog. They did sometimes use it to ingest or in mixtures of anesthetics and things like that. Um, but it's pretty, pretty similar folklore to the other ones. And that is where the whole thing about um, pulling mandrakes out using a dog on a leash, you know, came, came about. And uh, basically people were... Mandrake was very expensive. Um, the Romans would sell it to Europeans, usually in dried root form. But for the few people who had mandrakes growing, it was common that people would steal them. So it's thought that they kind of made up this lore that the mandrakes were... Uh, going to kill you when they came out of the ground so initially it was just a demon that would get you when you pulled it up that eventually turned into what we now kind of know as the screaming myth where you would pull the mandrake up and it would scream really loud at you and if you heard that scream you would potentially die and we see that tied into harry potter Right. Yep. And, you know, the mandrake in Harry Potter is used as a restorative, so it can bring back the cursed or transfigured to their original form. So, you know, that kind of creatively seems to make sense as it's like bringing people back to their original roots to, you know, hmm. like to being, you know, reborn. And in the book, you know, they come in like this human infant form, basically. Yeah. Um, and also part of the lore people used to use, you know, earwax plugs when they pulled them up to avoid hearing any screams. Um, so it, it kind of like in an amusing way makes sense that the kids use earmuffs, uh, in order to block out the sound. Mm -hmm. It would be like the new the age way ones. of doing it. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, one of my other favorite magic references in like modern films is in Pan's Labyrinth, which it's not like perhaps as iconic as uh, the ones in Harry Potter, but this one is kind of used more in the like, you know, uh, traditional like folklore concept where the the main character, the young girl Ophelia, is uh, is given directions on how to help take care of her sick pregnant mother 
uh, tying back into the, the fertility and the restoration abilities. Um, so she's told to take the root, which, you know, this one in the movie definitely is shaped like a person, like a little baby. And she's supposed to place it in a bowl of milk and like give it a few drops of blood every day and leave it under the bed where her mama sleeps. And like she notices that it starts to help heal her. Yeah, that was one of the common folklore things to do with mandrakes as well. Usually if you were trying to use it to conceive, um, you would put the root under your pillow. If uh, you were trying to use it, you know, to have like a healthy birth or a healthy pregnancy or even sometimes um, with young sick babies, uh, you would put it in a bowl with milk, milk being kind of the, like, um, feeding it the way that you would be, you know, essentially, like, feeding an infant. Yeah. And we also see it in, like, a bunch of Shakespeare's works. Yeah, Shakespeare mentions Mandrake quite a few times um, in Anthony and Cleopatra and Othello and Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet. I mean, we talked about in the last episode, kind of Juliet took a sleeping potion that might or might not have had Belladonna in it. It definitely had um, Mandrake in it and was used in that sleeping potion to make her, uh, you know, appear dead. Um, and so it was definitely part of a lot of the folklore of that time. I also found Mandrake the Magician, who is considered like the first superhero in a comic. It started in 1934 and it went on until 2013, which sounds crazy to me. Uh, but, you know, the Mandrake kind of having a place like in the Himalayas, like Mandrake the Magician studies in Tibet and he gets like hypnotic powers, you know, kind of connecting to like the delirium effects. So he can do like illusions and levitating and shape-shifting. And he like fights enemies ranging from local gangsters to like creatures from other dimensions, <laughs> which I think connects well to the poisonous effects of Mandrake. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a plant that has um, a lot of just, like, general folklore surrounding it. Like I said, the fertility thing is the thing that comes up the most often, but, you know, it was also said to be used by, um, you know, witches. Um, it's used as, a, like, a catalyst to represent the human spirit because of that human form. Um, it's used, like, against the evil eye. Um you know, so it has this kind of like whole lore that surrounds it. So is it not poisonous by touching it if people were like carrying it around as charms? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not as po it's more poisonous to be ingested than it is necessarily to touch it. I mean, I don't know if I would like, you know, go rubbing my hands all over it or anything, but especially dried, it does lose some of its toxicity, which not all plants do. 
Um, but this one does. Um, you know, and it was used to kind of like aid with some illnesses. So, um, you know, it has some of those alkaloids in it that can be quite dangerous, but also, you know, can be helpful. Today, there are other things that have less, you know, terrible hallucinogenic and stuff side effects. Um, so it is very rarely prescribed, even in herbal medicine today. Um, but, you know, initially it was used in anesthetic for surgeries. Um, juice made from the root was prescribed for things like rheumatoid arthritis pains, ulcers, tuberculosis tumors on the lymph nodes and things like that. Uh, it was used to treat melancholy, convulsions, mania. Um, and even today, they do still use it in practices and versions of modern witchcraft, although they don't use the roots. The roots are the most poisonous part of the plant. Um, and they recommend that it's not ingested or burned. Burning it can also kind of release some of those uh, you know, toxic poisons into the air and get into your respiratory system. Mandrake isn't something that I would recommend that you eat. Uh, but it is an interesting plant. Definitely, if you ever get the chance to take a look at it, it, it does come up with some pretty cool looking things. Um, it is difficult to grow here in New England. Um, but there are some parts of America, like I said, where you could grow it if you wanted to. Um you know, it is part of this whole family of plants. So again, you do have to be careful with it, but it does have some pretty flowers and stuff. So what are we going to talk about in our next episode? Um, so in our next episode, I decided to kind of combine uh, the two major poisonous hemlocks. So there is poison hemlock. Uh, poison hemlock is one that commonly grows uh, in the, the U.S. now. Um, and then there's also water hemlock, which is actually kind of like number one most wanted on world's deadliest plants. So um, we're going to talk about those two and kind of some of the differences between them, um, you know, how they're important kind of in a modern way. Uh, and, you know, this plant definitely still like, exists commonly it you know commonly kills people we'll talk about some uh you know more recent uh issues with the hemlock as well so that's our next episode i'm looking forward to our most dangerous plant yet yeah the killer hemlock <laughs> it's got a lot of fun nicknames too oh it does we'll have to just take a moment to, list to appreciate all of them, all of them yes <laughs> well thank you all so much for joining us on our latest episode of plant stories dangerous plants i hope you learned some fun facts fun stories and also accruing good knowledge to identify and stay away from possibly dangerous plants <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>